Hello, and welcome to this episode of Hammering Down, presented to you by Birmingham Sports. I'm your host, Kayla Hodges. And man, this new intro music just does not get old. <laughs> I really like it. Hope you guys do too. And I really hope you guys like this episode, as I was joined by Mr. John Fuller, who I think helped found it, but I know he is a writer for uh, uh, Football Forge, who is kind of an offshoot of Dirty South Soccer, which we already talked to the founder of that, Ms., uh, Mr. Rob, where we talked to him about the pre-match preview for Atlanta United. Well, now John's going to talk to us about Atlanta United too, as he's both an Atlanta guy and a Legion guy, so I felt like he was the perfect person to talk to us about this team. Um, it was just an absolute fantastic conversation. It was so much fun, and you really should go read some of their articles, especially their post-match breakdowns where they kind of explain what happened tactically, and it was a really, really cool, it's a really cool read, very easy to read too. But that's enough of me wasting your time. Let's go ahead and get into this thing. This is another one of our pre-match previews, and I am being joined by the oh-so-lovely Mr. John Floor, who is a writer and I believe the one of the founders of the Football Forge, which is a must-read, honestly. They're always posting content out on Twitter, and it's really quality stuff. And if I remember correctly, they're an off-branch of uh, Dirty South Soccer, which, you know, that's – we've – talked to rob on here before so obviously good friends of the show so it's great to have you on john how you doing i'm doing great thanks for inviting me Kayla. well obviously you've mainly write about the birmingham legion but since you are kind of an offshoot of the foot of dirty south soccer which is really cool that you know a major uh news writing organization like that has an off branch into birmingham Having that kind of connection is really cool to growing the game, but you are also kind of an Atlanta guy. So I feel like you are an awesome person to talk to as a guy who understands both sides of what's going to be happening this uh, Sunday. So let's just go ahead and get into this. I want to ask you just straight up, like, what is Atlanta United to? Because you and I kind of talked about before we started recording this team goes through every single formation change. There are so many player changes. It seems like there's no consistency that happens with Atlanta, but yet, except for their match against Louisville City to, or against Louisville City, they don't have a two. Well, they never mind. Um, they against Louisville City, they haven't seemed to slip up at least not yet. What about them makes them so consistent? I think, Kayla, if, if anything, Atlanta United 2 has been probably one of the biggest surprises in, in the USL Championship so far this year, especially in the Central Division. I, I think the comments you made uh, you know, preseason and the comments we made at the Football Forge too didn't really rank them very highly. I mean, no. you know, we, we, we thought they were for sure a bottom 14. Uh, right now, uh, who knows? Um, they will certainly, I think, be challenging for a playoff spot. Whether they'll make the top two, which is where they're sitting right now, or whether they'd be like third or fourth, uh, time will only tell. Uh, and there's a, there's a few things going on at Atlanta United, too, that will, will uh, have a, a significant bearing on that. Uh, but as of right now, they're looking pretty strong. Uh, but the other side of that is, is that they're also really a pretty good argument for why the MLS reserve teams 
really should not be in the championship. Uh, you know, MLS is supposedly setting up its own reserve league, and I know several of the USL teams are going to drop out and join that. Whether Atlanta United is going to be one of them is not yet known, um, but I think they probably will be long run because they'll probably end up being forced to. Uh, yeah. But one thing, it's cost, it costs them quite a bit, a $100,000 annual franchise fee that they have to pay you know, you have to keep up the MLS connections. Uh, that's, you know, you know, chump change for Arthur Blank, maybe, but it's, you know, it's, it's quite a lot of money for some of those teams. But the reason they're a good argument for that is because they play so many different guys. I mean, they've played five games already this season, which is more than anyone else. But they have started 27 different players. And I think another three have uh, come in off the bench. I, mean, I think the roster limit for a USL team is, what, 23, right? So. So with the guys going in and out, they've already exceeded that uh, by a considerable margin. And, uh, you know, you don't see the same thing, the, the same team. We began uh, the, the two games they played against uh, Oklahoma City. Well, it was essentially two entirely different teams. And the, the team that uh, beat them won nothing, uh, that beat OKC won nothing, uh, included, I think, five guys who did not play the following game, which was just a week later. Uh, that second game, frankly, they were lucky to get away with a with a point. I thought um, yeah, an OKC goal was called off for what looked to me like a very soft foul in the box, and the tying goal was a uh, penalty kick uh, that rebounded and, and was uh, then uh, punched in by the by the penalty kicker. But it was a terribly taken penalty kick. I mean, yeah. It was an easy stop. The, the goalkeeper just wasn't able to keep his yeah. hands on it. So. I'm not sure if it was the same guy we faced uh, Wednesday night at all. And, and that would have been, you know, Oklahoma City's first win in, what, since July 17th of last year, I think. Yeah, almost a full year. That. So, like I said, I mean, the thing is, is that Atlanta, you, you don't know who you're going to be facing one week to the next. Um, the only thing that we can say for sure about Sunday's game is that Jack Gurr will not be playing. Uh, that uh, was already the case uh, earlier today. I mean. Because he got a red card. Earlier this afternoon, he was waived by Atlanta, so he's not even on the squad anymore. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to talk about that little incident because, I mean, as a person who fully hates Memphis, it was kind of cool seeing him lose his cool and then kick a ball straight into a Memphis player's back. That was fun to watch. And then just gets an immediate red card, which is fully deserved, which it was still cool to watch. But then he gets waived, and – I mean, it seems like from a lot of Atlanta United 2 fans that they don't think that was the reason he got waived, but it certainly didn't help his case. It seemed like he was already kind of a, he was kind of a fringe player with a lot of talent, but then, you know, having an outburst where he just loses his cool like that and in a very pivotal game where they were losing at that point to one, you know, kind of saw him wave goodbye is that kind of the common consensus around other or with you and the guys that you talk to um as far as Gurr is concerned Wesley he was on the MLS roster so he was a lone E um, um, but he's only played uh, I think like was not impressive um, I did talk to some of the guys at Dirty South Soccer uh, uh, about the uh the waiver uh, that came through this afternoon Wested it he's English so he may want to go back home or if he's unhappy at Atlanta, they can, you know, he wanted to get on the waiver wire and see if someone else in MLS will pick him up. Frankly, I don't think they will. Uh, like you said, he's a real fringe player and, and he might get picked up by another USL team somewhere, but you know, he's got that red card sitting over his head. So it's kind of like Junior Fleming's, right? You know, you're going to pick up a player who you can't immediately use. So, yeah. You know, Fleming's is a lot better player, too. So. <laughs> 
I mean, that was just a, what a interesting situation that was. I mean, the whole thing seemed to be kicked off because the Memphis players seemed to embellish a little bit of a foul, which they were winning and it was getting late in the match. They were going to try to waste time. Any, any soccer fan should recognize that even 75 minutes into a match that you can expect the winning team to start time wasting. And the fact that he let it bother him so much and then just a slot shove in the back just sent him over the edge where he felt like he had to kick a ball at another player. And just just very weird decision-making from someone who, like you said, is he's an English guy. So he probably has a lot more playing experience than most younger players in the U.S. So you would think he'd be more battle-tested than that, but... I guess not. Well, maybe. I know players make stupid decisions. I mean, you know, we saw that with our own J.J. Williams, right? I mean, in his one big chance. And uh, the first game of this season, he did virtually the same thing. Uh, so, you know, uh, now, granted, the second time around, it was probably uh, a really soft red. But, you know, I mean, he's been around long enough. I mean, he's still young, but he's been around long enough to, hey, I know I shouldn't do this. You know, so even the older ones, you know, they will do completely irrational things because yeah. they get they get lost in the moment, same as anybody else. I mean, you know, it's a sport, and like like you said, it was late in the game. It was only like I think the eighty seventh minute, and they were leading, and uh, you know they were messing around. And they were frankly putting San Antonio. Antonio, they basically spent ninety minutes time wasting against it, uh, against uh, against their own legion. So. You know, it's it's just one of those uh, rather unfortunate aspects of the game that you can do that and mostly get away with it. In the end, of course, they didn't because even a man down, uh, Atlanta United's one big star on the actual Atlanta United 2 roster came up big time with a point-saving goal in extra time. So, you know, it, you know sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. And, of course, what? in Memphis' case, usually it won't work. <laughs> Let's talk about that one big star, Aiden McFadden. I mean, dude seems to be the real deal and very versatile. We've seen him start, you know, in the middle of the pitch. We've seen him start at a right wing position. We've seen him start as a right back. And Atlanta just seems to toss him wherever, and he always seems to do well. Obviously, he's a scoring threat, but what he does off the ball really impresses me, especially when he was a right back. I'm assuming against a Legion side, which has shown to have a pretty good defense this year they're going to want to have Aiden McFadden playing more of a attacking midfielder rather than a right back. But again, I don't know. There's been so much change. No one can assume anything about this team. What about Aiden McFadden makes him so special? Because, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen a guy like Aiden McFadden literally just come out of nowhere and just show people up like he kind of is. And why in the world is he not getting called up to Atlanta United senior squad? What are they not seeing in him? Because he seems to have it all. Uh, I think you're right. I think a matter of relatively short time before he is called up to the senior team. Uh, I mean, the, the guys over at Dirty South Soccer certainly think so. It to be a pretty strong argument not to. You know, and you know, MLS has arcane roster rules just the same as USL does. But, you know, I mean, he is a, a domestic player. You know, he's young, so you know, his salary hit would not be big. He wouldn't take up an international slot. Um, 
and he will be shoring up a midfield at Atlanta United that uh, is frequently hit by injury. Uh, they're going to get Ezekiel Barco back probably for tomorrow's game against National, uh, but it's not certain. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, he's off uh, you know, on international uh, adventures for the next, what, two, three weeks. So who knows what's going to happen to him and any of their other players. That they're going to need to fill some gaps. So uh, word is that Aiden McFadden is not long for the USL, and, and rightly so, too. Uh, you also said he's been moved around a bit. I mean, nominally, he's on the, on the roster as a midfielder. Uh, but, you know, when you've scored uh, more goals than anybody else on the team from a midfield position, uh, Obviously, you're uh, very much on the attacking side of midfield. So, I mean, is he a striker? Yeah, probably not. Um, but compared to who else Atlanta United had to have on the roster, uh, he's probably the, the, the true striker threat. Yeah, and it's really kind of interesting because they did play him at right back, which even in those matches that they played him at right back, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. And he did fine at those positions. I'm not saying he did a bad job by any means. He did a serviceable job. But I don't really follow the logic of what they were going for there, especially since he seems to be so far ahead of everybody else that not only just on his team, but that they go against, that they've played against so far this year. I mean, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, There's another player who seems to be pretty consistent for this Atlanta United 2 squad which Legion fans might be happy to hear or might absolutely hate to hear, and that's Josh Bauer. He has been a really good center back for them. One time, I believe he was man of the match for Atlanta United too, and overall has just been a really consistent, really rock-solid defender, which a lot of Legion fans are probably sitting here thinking, man, more center back depth. I wish we had some of that right now, but, you know, (laughs) it's – I mean, he went on to be drafted in the second round by Atlanta United, which he was originally supposed to be Atlanta United's first round pick, but then somebody fell off the boards and Atlanta United basically had to take that guy. I forget who it was exactly. And then Josh Bauer was still there in the second round. So it was like a dream draft for Atlanta United and probably for Josh Bauer too, since he got drafted by a very solid club in Atlanta. But what have we seen out of Josh Bauer as the center back? Because I believe in his time that he did start for Legion or he got his appearances, he was playing more of a left back or a right back position, not really playing in the center of the pitch. Yeah. Um, as far as Bauer being drafted in the second round, laughing that we managed to hold on to that obvious draft pick. Um I mean, uh, I forget how far into the second round, 31st pick. I mean, it was a total insult to the guy, to be honest. I mean, he, he was a known quantity. He was probably, you know, one of the top three, four guys in the draft. And, you know, it allowed Atlanta to pick him up and, you know, dropping him down that final draft means that they were able to cut his salary uh, pretty deeply too. So, so they got him you know, for absolutely nothing, basically. Uh, they gave up, I think, a higher draft pick uh, to get that second draft pick. But, hey, it worked for them. But, yeah, he hasn't played all that much for them yet. Uh, I forget just how many minutes he's had. Uh, he did play uh, against uh, Oklahoma City in the first game. I'm trying to look at my data here. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, no, sorry, the second game. Um, and he did play against Memphis too. He started that game too. Um, so he's got about 90 minutes worth of time uh, in, out of five games. Um, that's probably pretty insulting too. Um, uh, and 
that's one of the strange things with Atlanta United too is, is what they've been doing this year. And not only are they sh shuffling the uh, roster around, but because um, their front office is a little bit chaotic right now too. Um, when the season was getting ready to start, uh, of course, it was supposed to be Stephen Glee had stepped in as the uh, MLS team's manager for most of uh, 2020 when Frank DeBeer was was fired. Um, <laughs> he had been uh, a long time uh, you know, a USL coach. Uh, when 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 they got Gabriel Heinze, they, they put him back in charge of uh, Atlanta United too. And then uh, right as the season's about to start, he announces that uh, he's going home to Aberdeen, uh, where he also played, uh, to become the head coach over there, which left Atlanta United too uh, in the same hole on a basis. So they stuck Tony Annan back into that position. Um, he had been uh, the academy director since even before the MLS team started. Uh, I think they, he was like the fifth hire that the club ever made back in 2015. So like two years before they even played in MLS. And he was instrumental in, in, in developing their academy, which is you know, behind, say, uh, Real Salt Lake and FC Dallas, probably one of the top three or four academies in MLS. Uh, so that looked like it was all going to be well and good. Then a couple of weeks later, he announces that he has just taken the head coaching job at the uh, University of South Carolina. So he's on his way out too. And I was kind of hoping, actually, uh, for the Legion's sake, that he'd be gone prior to this game. You know, because the, the college season is now over. I forget when College Cup was, what, a couple of weeks ago? A couple of um, uh, week you know, ago or so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, although, of course, they weren't involved in that. But, um, you know, the college season is officially over, so it makes sense that he would uh, go go over there as soon as he possibly can. And the word is he won't be going until late next month sometime. So he is going to be sticking around in, in Atlanta for a while. But that raises the question, just how committed is he then? The fact that he's playing around with lineups, he's playing around with formations, probably suggests that he may not be quite as committed as uh, as he ought to be. Uh, it would be the professional way to go about it. But uh, you know, his head is already somewhere else. I mean, if you look at his Twitter profile, it's, uh, so he's pulling up scarves, he's got you know, the purple or whatever color it is uh, all over the place. Um, yeah, he's on his way out one way or the other. Now, what does that mean for Atlanta United too? Well, they have not named a replacement for him yet. So the team itself has got to be wondering, you know, three, four weeks from now, you know, who are going to be working for? I don't know, right? And that's for the more or less half of the team that is constantly uh, on the roster. Uh, what will that imply for this weekend's game? I don't know. Will we see a team that is more heavily Atlanta United 2 true roster? Or will we see some of the MLS guys? I honestly can't tell you. Uh, my guess is that it will probably be more heavily uh, true USL roster than some of the games we've seen lately, if only for the fact that they do have uh, their own home game uh, the day before and are looking at uh, you know, losing some of those guys for an extended period of the international break. And I think they're going to want as many of them until whatever the last minute is before they actually have to announce a, a game lineup, or I guess 2.30 Eastern time uh, will be the cutoff. Um, which will mean that none of those guys will be available for a short-term contract for the USL game. So as I understand those contracts, easy to navigate, to say the least. So, could be looking at a relatively weak Tulsa ended up facing. I, the thing with what Tulsa saw, and I was going to get to this in a little bit, but I really like where you know this kind of led to, is just to kind of understand for fans who don't really watch two teams that often, or who do not follow maybe the game, kind of like 
maybe like someone like you or I do where, you know, we create content on it. So we're kind of following everything, trying to follow all the storylines, just something small, but you can kind of tell what kind of team I put out there, right? Is if you look on FopMob, which absolutely love the app to death, you see sometimes uh, Atlanta United puts out a team and half the players do not have faces because they are brand new players. They're brand new pros. They don't have much experience. But then, and then out of nowhere, they roll against FC Tulsa and almost every single player on Fought Mob has a pitcher to it, which means they've been a professional for a while or they've been playing at a higher level, which, you know, going against Tulsa, you could probably say that a lot of the guys who were playing in that Tulsa match were fringe MLS players or, you know, have other pretty hefty professional experience. And that's kind of the small things you can kind of pick up on, which is really interesting out of Atlanta United too, because if you look at other matches that they play, there's a lot of faceless guys on that screen. I mean, heck, even Aiden McFadden, which we talked about how amazing he is, still doesn't have a profile picture on there, which tells you just how out of nowhere he came. But like you said, I mean, there's a lot going on with, you know, the whole front office there. There's a lot going on just that day in Atlanta or the day before in Atlanta with um, with the senior squad. So who's going to get the call? Who's not going to get the call? Who do they want to have playing time? Who do they want riding the bench? It's it's the confusing thing about following an MLS two team, especially in a competition that's as competitive as the USL championship truly is. Uh, yeah, you, you hit it on the nail. Uh, they hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, as far as uh, Aiden McFadden and his uh, profile pick is concerned, yeah, I ended up with that same problem myself. I mean, when he was announced as the USL Player of the Week, to to note note that and uh, when uh, try and find some pictures of him, and the only pictures of him I could find were all from was it Notre Dame? I think he played for. Yeah. So, I mean, there was nothing in a in MLS jersey. Nothing. So. So, you know, we had to get a little creative on that, that side. Um, but, yeah, I mean, play, players in the USL are supposed to be, you know, developmental uh, in some sense. I mean, you're, either you're a long-time USL player or, or you're a guy hoping to get a contract in MLS or some other higher league. So you're probably young or at the tail end of your career. Guy uh, pick or you haven't got a pick at all, uh, um, which is kind of what Memphis's uh, roster looks like. On their own website, half the guys didn't have picks. Uh, yeah. It's just the way it is. I mean, you'd think the uh, you know, PR guys for the various clubs would do a lot better job of getting those picks uploaded for the media, but apparently they they don't. So I don't know why. But uh, one guy we've not talked about yet, uh, and he is uh, a relatively new acquisition for Atlanta United. Uh, I think we need to pay some attention to, and that's Connor Stan. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. I think he's 18, maybe 19 years old. He's English. Uh, but he's a product of the Manchester United Academy system. If you, you know, we were talking about academies being strong a week earlier. I mean, if there's one academy that has for a very, very long time been good, it's Manchester United, all the way back to the 1950s and earlier. So for, for them to pick up a guy out of that, out of that organization deal, frankly, uh, I think he's only played two full games for, uh, well, started two games. He didn't finish uh, the game against Memphis. Um, but he was impressive too, and uh, he's going to shore up their midfield. You know, he's going to be playing basically behind Aidan McFannon in a more of a defensive midfield position uh, most of the time, probably. 
but he's going to be playing a kind of similar role, I think, to our own Anderson Asiadu. He's going to be the, the feed guy. He's going to be the guy uh, through whom you know, the, the balls come from, from the backfield through to the, the actual attack threats. And he's, he's a guy to keep, keep an eye on because he's going to be impressive. There, there's, a, there's just a lot of players and a lot of storylines. And I don't remember if we mentioned it uh, in this podcast or before we started recording. But, I mean, 27 guys have appeared on the pitch for Atlanta United 2 this year. And four of those have been goalkeepers. If there's anything you are as a club that you want, it's you want your goalkeeper to be the only goalkeeper. If they get a break, it's because they went through a stretch of like 18 matches without a break or an injury. That's the only time you want your goalkeeper to change. But they've gone through four in five matches which is just absolutely nuts to me. And the thing is, is that Legion are kind of familiar with two of them. You have uh, Ben, um, I'm going to say his name wrong. I think it's, is it Lungard? Or is that, yeah. yeah. And then you have Rico, who uh, we faced him in the preseason opener. And, you know, he did a fine job. But everybody else is kind of a question mark. And, so I mean I do not feel I do not feel envious about being a Legion scout of being a guy who has to watch all the film trying to figure out and try to figure out how to prepare for a team like Atlanta United too because you can't even scout the keeper which one's going to play they've had four <laughs> I mean, it's so if you're you know trying to figure out you know, oh, if we go to penalty, like if we have any penalties that come up, you know, which side is their weak side? Well, great. Now you have to pick against four of them and just kind of pray or just stuff like that. You know, does a keeper struggle to go to the ground? Well, two of their keepers do. The other ones are fantastic at it, but can't hit a ball out of the air. How do you prepare for that? And I'm sure this is a theoretical question because the answer is it's you really can't. But I feel like if Elena really does. I don't think you can. Yeah, uh, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's an opposing coach's nightmare, right? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the only thing you can say about the fact that they played four guys in five games is that all four of them are really good. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know why uh, Rio Snovo has only played in two of their games. Um, I know he couldn't play in the first game because he he was on a short term contract uh, with first team uh, for the Concacaf games. Uh, because uh, Brad Guzan had gotten the red card. Um, but why he hasn't played in the last two, uh, I, d- I don't know. I, I don't think he's injured. At least I haven't seen his name on any injury reports. So there's something that they saw in first Tulsa when Lundgaard played, and then against Memphis when Alec Can played. And both of those are MLS guys. Uh, so they were brought down to play uh, in uh, those games um, over, over Rio Snova, uh, who is, uh, you know, he's young, but he's, you know, he's a phenom. Yeah, you know, kind of spacing. basically. I mean, he's he's got hair. I I know you <laughs> better 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 ask someone who's a more, more familiar with the scouting process than I am. Because I mean, you, you I, know, I mean, the number of permutations you've got to go through to get no way. I mean, yeah. I mean, ask um, you know, ask Nico, ask JJ, you know, where are you going to place the ball when you shoot? And then they're going to tell you, I have no idea. Might as well just kick it straight at the guy and see what happens. Yeah. It's 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 
like I said, that's one of the big reasons why these guys really shouldn't have teams in the US, even though the reigning champions are the Real Monarchs. Yeah. I mean, Real Monarchs, I think you can say that it's kind of interesting because the Real Monarchs are, I think they're the one of the best run MLS sides because, or MLS two sides, because they have more continuity between their teams. I mean, it's, I talked to a lot of guys from the West. There is not a lot of sending up and a lot of sending down for them. It truly is, is we are going to put out whatever team this is. And if they're good, then they're going to be good. If they're bad, well, then they're bad. We're not going to send some older guys to save face per se. But a lot of times Real Monarchs just end up being good because they have an, they have a fantastic uh, academy system. New York Red Bulls, excuse me, get a lot of excitement and they are good, but they're all because they're all under the Red Bull tree. So every single team is going to train basically the same exact way. They're learning the same exact style, whatever's going on at RB Leipzig. But a team like Real Monarchs, they are really creating an academy. And so they're not just learning how to play a system. They're learning how to become footballers which I think is awesome. And the thing with the landing United too, is like, you're, yeah, you're not really seeing that because they're just changing crap all the time. Oh, let's try this funky formation. I mean, they went from playing basically a, what was essentially a four, four, two to a couple weeks later, it was a, I think it was like a four three or a four, two, three, one, which what's, what's happening here, guys. I mean, I get that he's, and in all reality, I'm not going to accuse a man, but he it seems like he's more or less just trying out formations for whenever he goes off to the college ranks. But I'm not going to throw out accusations. But as for Rios Novos, I, I think he is uh, – Rios Novos, I'm so impressed by him. And I get Ben Lingard has gone through the whole system and he's shown to be – a good servant to the Atlanta United club. So I feel like a lot of why he got caught up is because he's talented, but also it's kind of a reward for sticking it out. But how do you not have Rios Novos on the senior squad? I mean, there was at times last or during the CONCACAF that I was like, man, he's an upgrade from Braguzon. And maybe that's harsh. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit bitter towards Braguzon because I, I just don't like him. <laughs> it's not anything against <laughs> him personally. It just don't. But, I mean, I thought there was some spots in Rios Novo's game that I thought he was better than Brad. So why is he not even getting starts in Atlanta United 2 when I think he could be starting for the first team? What's going on there? It just makes no sense to me. Um, well, well the, the big reason for that is the, the MLS rules about international players. Um, he was able to play in the CONCACAF games because those, those international rules don't apply in CONCACAF Champions League. So... Uh, in, in fact, uh, at that stage, uh, the MLS deadline, yeah. So that wasn't an issue for those games. Um, for the actual MLS season, that's a whole different... Uh, so they need a, a good backup for Brad Guzan. Uh, yeah. Is Lundgaard that? Probably not. Is Can that? Well, he was okay uh, in the first few games they played back in 2017 before Brad Guzan actually was freed from his uh, uh, Aston Villa contract and was able to come back over and take, you know, take the reins. Is he a long-time option? Well, it's what, four years later now, so he's uh, getting a little you know, long in the tooth himself too. So the answer to, on him is probably not. Do they need a new young um, goalkeeper? Yeah. Would Rios Novo be a good choice? Yeah. 
can they manage him though uh, by using up an international slot on a goalkeeper? Well, typically the answer for that uh, in MLS in the MLS world is no. They they won't do it. They much prefer to take up those slots. So my guess with him, uh, he's only on loan, of course, uh, from anytime soon. Uh, if he hangs around and gets a green card, then that might be a different issue because that takes him out of the MLS international slot. That, at that point, they may snap him up on a permanent basis. But that's a ways off. And, of course, that won't happen enough of a work history to, to justify it. Uh, yeah. Even though Atlanta United has some very, very good uh, immigration. Time will tell. Um, my guess is um, he's probably the guy we're going to be seeing on Sunday. Um, if it's not him, it'll be the younger guy, Reyes. Um, it won't be Lungard or Can, is my guess, but uh, I'm probably going to uh, be proven wrong. <laughs> I mean, Reyes was a stud against Louisville City. I'm very surprised he hasn't got more starts. And as for the international slots for goalkeepers, I have to remember in my MLS brain that not every team is dumb enough to run their organization like FC Cincinnati where they used not one, but two international slots on a goalkeeper, which, yeah. Um, (laughs) I just have to remember that other teams actually know how to run a team, and it's fine. And I'll just complain about it later and then just accept the losses as they come because they definitely will. Um, (laughs) As for this Atlanta United 2 team, I it seemed like everybody on, you know – with the pundit predictions with the football forge, you know, the guys that come in because it's Jacob, you, me, and Simon, all guys who follow the game very closely, who understand, I, I mean, except for me, understand the game very, very well and understand what's going on. You know, it seems like everybody except for me has it kind of going down as a tie, you know, having it being a draw, which probably not a bad shout because we haven't seen legion score more than one goal in a match yet so i mean i guess we i shouldn't expect them to score two but also i i'm also thinking historically here about how atlanta united too has kind of sucked against the legion so it's hard for me to forget that so what are i don't know what to expect from this team and that's pretty much been this whole conversation is What's going to happen? It's not because they haven't played matches. I was confused on who Memphis was going to be, but that's because they hadn't played yet. But Atlanta United has played five matches, and we still don't know, you know, who's going to be their goalkeeper. They're only certain is going to be Aiden McFadden is going to be a stud, but is he going to be playing right back like he did against Tulsa? Or is he going to be playing in the attacking? And, you know, like he did these last few mat or this match against Memphis. No one knows. So, I mean, it's kind of hard for anybody to predict, but, I mean, do your best, man. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, well, like like you said, three of us uh, in the prediction panel um, forecast it to be a draw. You were the only one who didn't. Um, that's not a cop-out uh, prediction. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it could be, given what we've been talking about, about how we just don't know who we're going to be facing. But I think we know enough about the players that we're likely to see uh, from Atlanta United to know that they are not going to be a pushover. Uh, the other side of the coin, of course, is uh, we don't know what formation uh, and lineup the Legion's going to come up with. I mean, yeah. you know, we were all surprised uh, Wednesday night uh, when, when, when Tommy Sona published a, 
that's a 352. Uh, but, but no one was actually more surprised than USL itself. I don't know if you checked the app, but when they showed the lineup, and then uh, the, the, the Legion's own Twitter account had to publish its own, uh, you know, organized formation lineup uh, to say, hey, no, that's not what we're doing. Uh, take a look at this. We're changing things up. Uh, it was a positive change, by the way. I know you thought so, and I certainly thought so. In fact, uh, I was a little ticked off and to really push for either a 343 or a 352 because our personnel fits those kinds of uh, formations much more so than i think uh, the four two three one which had been tommy stone's go-to for well, pretty much since day one um the big surprise to me on wednesday was the fact that junior was left out of the starting line uh, i understand that you know you've got three good strikers and if you're going to do a three five two then one of them is going to be sitting but uh you didn't see any playing time at all i mean i forget was it sylvania that came on for nico uh, late in the game Yes, Jaden came no on. There's no reason why Junior couldn't come on. Well, I think the reason is, and at least the, the way it kind of came off to me, is that Junior isn't a center-of-the-pitch guy. He loves to run down the left wing. And in the 3-3-2-2 three, three, two, two that we played, which is essentially a 3-5-2, um, basically the same exact formation. But it's – I mean, they – I don't know. It's kind of hard to have someone kind of cutting in. And the, it really worked because uh, JJ and Nico finally got to have a little bit of partnership with each other instead of just having to lump the ball forward to Nico, which I love having the two up top. But really, you have a guy like Daigo, which probably Daigo doesn't start if Mikey's healthy. And that kind of sucks because I thought Daigo looked really good. I loved watching him play. It also just makes me insanely happy for the Samurai spirit whenever he's on the pitch. It's awesome. Um, but those um, – I just don't know where Junior would fit within this formation because having a guy cut inside like Junior loves to do and make his pretty much signature diagonal runs and taking shots at goal, the person he would kind of take that place of would be Ryan James which, you know, Junior's a fine player, but I don't want to lose the defensive capabilities of Orion James. So we're kind of in this weird position where we had a formation that worked and it made a lot of sense and it fit our per- personnel, specifically our back line personnel, where we have fullbacks who can attack all day long. But, you know, we also have three very, very capable center, capable center backs, so it makes sense. But you have a guy who just won the golden boot. And I think it might have was it two years in a row, or was he he was close the year before, and he doesn't have a place in our team, which kind of says a lot about the talent on our team, but also kind of the confusion of what formation do we get a talent like that into the squad, which it doesn't seem like man mismanagement to me. I like the direction and the uh, way that Tommy Sun went about that, but how do you get a guy like that into the lineup after seeing just how positive it was against, admittedly, a pretty bad OKC time, uh, OKC team? And I don't know if you had, I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet, uh, Kayla, but uh, I, I did just publish a piece early this afternoon uh, talking about that game and uh, and specifically uh, how the formation uh, really fed into the way the game uh, proceeded. The fact that Junior ended up being left off the lineup, I understand it entirely as talent. Um, which is why I think a 3-4-3 might actually be even better for us. Um, but that creates other uh, selection problems because the Legion has been built so deep. 
Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the back three, the front three would be obvious, um, uh, especially if uh, Alex Granali is, is healthy. Uh, but you've still got an embarrassment of riches because you've got at least four good centre backs on on the roster. Then you've got uh, Ron James and Johnny Dean as, as the wings. Uh, Anderson Asiadu as probably the defensive uh, midfielder and Bruno as the uh, offensive. But then you've got, you know, if Mike is healthy, where does he play? If Zach's healthy, where does he play? Uh, you know, it, it, does Daigo get some time? I mean, you've got so many guys in so many positions who are, you know, two or three deep on this squad that, uh, you know, Tommy Son really has a, a luxury of, of selection options uh, for him. Uh, so we don't know who we're going to see on Sunday on our side of the pitch, let alone on the Atlanta side. True. Um, but I mean, I haven't seen the injury reports. I mean, uh, are Mikey and Alex still questionable at this point? Um, Alex said he was going to be making a return soon on social media, and it's been kind of uh, still not really social media blackout because Mikey still is really active on there, but there hasn't been any update on Mikey. So I'm just assuming that he's still out because I haven't heard anything that says otherwise. But, I mean, if I was Coach Stone, I would probably leave Alex and Mikey out purely because you have a big, big fish to fry coming up with FC Tulsa. And I don't want to look past Atlanta United, too, because they are obviously a really good team this year, a team we were not expecting to be this good this year. But we also have FC Tulsa, who is a more known opponent at this point, not because we played them that much, but because we know exactly what they're going to roll out. And I think that of Mikey Lopez and Alex Cornali, you want them to be for sure 100% healthy because those guys would work really well against FC Tulsa. While even if they're 95%, you don't want to take the chance of either one of them getting injured again against Atlanta United 2 who they very very well may just be playing chess at this point and just changing up lineups and then just kind of tossing out whichever one would beat the best lineup we have. I don't know. I, I would just hold them out for another match. So every idea that I've had for this formation and the team going forward, I'm just assuming they're out. So... Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see see what happens Sunday, and then of course beyond Sunday, uh, the choices change a little bit because we're going to lose at least a couple of guys to the international uh, break. Yeah, uh, and it's high time that USL uh, cut collaborations during those those breaks because they spend all their time touting how many players from the league you know, get called up. Well, you're 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 really messing up uh, your own team's uh, performance uh, options by continuing to play through the international break. I, I don't know uh, how many other. Uh, second tier uh, leagues across the world at this point the USL really needs to yeah I mean it's very interesting because it's not like and a lot of teams that are getting call-ups now I mean they're not small clubs or small countries anymore I mean Cuba is I mean while smaller on the world stage when it comes to the Americas I mean Cuba is a you know formidable opponent you have, uh, you know, Puerto Rico for Jaden Cervania, who they have proven in the past to be a pretty decent side. You have Jamaica, who has made leaps and bounds over the last few years, and we have a guy coming from there. Heck, Louisville City has their guy getting called up for the Mexican roster. And I get that USL wants to show off and say, hey, look how many international guys we have. Look how cool they are. But they're also doing is – 
look at how much the talent drop off is during these couple weeks while those guys are gone. And <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. There really needs to be an international break. It makes no sense. The only thing I can think of is that the league that are kind is kind of comparable to the USL, I think is the F- EFL League One. And League One does not have an international break. And those are really kind of similar, at least talent levels. So maybe USL thinks they don't have to because League One doesn't have one. But even then, that's kind of a garbage excuse. I really don't see much of a point in not having one. I, I, I think it is. Uh, and when you consider the, the, the types of nations that uh, USL, they are, you know, they're not the, you know, the top tier teams in the FIFA rankings. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're nations uh, whose players are less likely to make it into a, a top tier league. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that's a bad thing for the USL to get all these call-ups. It's a good thing. But, hey, yeah, we're all tout, tout these uh, call-ups for all you're worth, but don't do it to the detriment of the, uh, of the actual play in your own league. That makes no sense. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're trying to play the game, and, you know, play both ends against the middle, and that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I kind of want to continue this conversation of the formation talk because – I mean, I love talking formations. It's my favorite part of playing like football manager is just coming up with stupid stuff and just seeing what works. And most of the time it doesn't, but it's fine. Um, I'm a horrible manager as it turns out. But um, they, with Legion playing what was a basically a 3-5-2, if you wanted to get a junior Flemings involved, I mean, would you – put three at the top because I feel like three at the top kind of became an issue. And the reason I don't know if I'm sold on three at the top is because the reason that the three, three, two, two worked was to me was because you could, you could essentially have two point guards or two quarterbacks, which is kind of like what my brain likes to kind of think about when thinking about football. And it's the sense that Anderson Seadu was really pulling all the strings. He was kind of calling all the shots before the formation change, which is not a bad thing. Anderson, you know, has was already a great player before this year. And this year he has just become a star in the USL. He has become easily one of the most underrated, but probably one of the best players in the USL this year. And because he's grown so much as a player, he kind of overlapped what Bruno got would like to do. And because of the formation, and the way that they played with with a 4-3-3 or, you know, whatever formation, the 4-2-3-1, you had Anderson and you had Bruno kind of occupying the same space. But with the the 3-3-2-2, they were allowed to occupy different spaces. Anderson could make the decision on, are we going to play fast or are we going to slow the ball down? Are we going to work from the back or are we going to just lump the ball forward and get up as quick as possible? Anderson got to dictate tempo. And then from there, if Bruno gets the ball, which we saw a lot he did against OKC, OKC, he got the ball most of the time. Well, then Bruno can decide, do we want to attack the wings or do we want to attack the center? So we have two different guys getting to choose how the match is going to go. And it becomes more of a partnership between Anderson and Bruno, which I love. And I want to continue that. How do we allow those guys to quarterback the team together while also getting junior involved? Because in a way, I do think we are kind of missing 
his attacking presence, even though we still haven't seen the fruit from that labor yet? It, it, it is a tough question, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to find the answer to that anytime soon. Um, if, if there is uh, an opportunity to try a 3-4-3, uh, looking at the schedule going forward, um, probably the only game where you'd want to risk a new formation is the next game against OKC uh, on June the 12th. Uh, you certainly don't want to be trying out anything new against Tulsa or Louisville the following week, and then you've got Austin Bold after that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, then Miami and Atlanta too again and justifiably risk a new formation uh, unless you're really, really sure it's going to work. Um, so that is the problem. Uh, as far as Anderson and Bruno working together in the middle, uh, whether it's you know, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3, it's going to work. I mean, because those two guys are going to be occupying more or less the same positions in either formation. Um, and frankly, they are a joy to watch together. So good. Anderson, for my money, was far and away the man of the match against Memphis. And he was probably the man of the match Wednesday night too. Um, yeah. Why Atlanta United ever let him go, I have no idea. I mean, he was their first round draft pick two years ago and he was an instant fan favorite even before he hit the field over there. I mean, the, the, the guy just brims over with energy on and off the pitch. I mean, he's, he's just enjoyable. And he's committed, too. I mean, that's why he gets so many damn cards. Um, he gets a little overcommitted. Well, he, I think he's only gone the one so far this year, which actually, by his standards, is pretty good going. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things is his aggressiveness, I, which was... He, he also has that strange habit of turning over his waist, which I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Anderson, his aggressiveness, which was always his biggest knock because he loved to he loved to fight or get stuck in. He loved not really to fight, but he loved to, to get in shouting matches with teammates, with other players, with refs, which usually the refs is what got him his yellow and red cards. And you know what? Every single time that Anderson got nose-to-nose with anybody on the pitch – Everybody loved it. The crowd was excited. It was never, oh, Anderson, stop, don't do it. It's like, yeah, get him, Anderson, you know, go after him. They deserve it because everybody loves the dude. The only time that you ever heard a groan coming from Anderson was last year and the year before. No, not the year before, especially last year, was whenever he had the ball at his feet and it was about 40 yards out, and you and you could just see his body language change, and you're like, oh, great, he's about to shoot. And lo and behold, from about 30 or 45 yards out, He's shooting, and it's like, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> but this year, we haven't seen him do that once. In fact, the two times I think he's taken a shot this year have both been on target and have been really good shots that were one of them was an easy save, but the second one was just an absolute beauty of a save, which San Antonio, their play of the match was their goalkeeper, no doubt. What a freaking beast that dude was during that match. But, I mean – Anderson has, I mean, what we saw, what we've basically been saying out of Anderson is his maturity has shown. He's saving himself from getting cards. He's not losing possession by taking weird long shots that really were never going to go in, even from a guy who maybe you would consider a better shooter from maybe like a JJ or a Bruno or a Nico, whomever. Uh, guys like that who a lot of Legion fans would say is a better shooter than Anderson, which is not a knock on Anderson. I mean, he's there's a reason he's not a striker, and there's a reason he occupies the role that he does. But now that he's not taking those shots, he's not getting himself in those bad positions, 
there has not been a single match yet where I didn't say Anderson was the star of the show. And that's been awesome to see. And yeah, I don't understand why Atlanta United let him go. It couldn't have been for international reasons because I mean, Anderson's been in the U S so long. I think he, I think he has a green card anyway. So it's not like he was occupying that space. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Hey, I am so glad he's here and not anywhere else because Wherever Anderson goes, I might as well just follow because I love the man to death. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I was really upset when Atlanta let him go. And then just a few weeks later, uh, I was really, really happy when uh, I saw that Birmingham picked him up. And you used the word maturity. And I think that's absolutely the right word to use to describe how he's playing this year. He has definitely matured beyond what he was just last year. Um, And like like you said, some some of the weaker aspects of his game, he seems to have been cutting out. if there's one uh, MLS player that I would compare him to, and this player went through Atlanta for a couple of years too, it's Darlington Nagby. Okay. Uh, and I, I like would, would compare him to Nagby because he is just impossible to disc the ball at his feet. It's going to stay there until he decides he wants to get rid of it. Okay? You just cannot take it away from him. I mean, it's incredible to watch. And he's also great uh, gaining possessions. They've got to be absolutely awesome. Uh, and then, you know, the, the long shooting aspect that he seems to have been cutting out, that was a, an aspect of Nagby's play that he never did cut out. And it's one of the reasons Nagby's uh, goal stats are just pathetic because he <laughs> never took high, you know, high percentage chances. It was all these long 40, 50 yard shots. Uh, but again, yeah, Anderson's going to get a few goals this year, probably, but uh, you know, they, they're going to be, uh, you know, from much closer in, I would think. I mean, Honestly, at this point, I think the entire stadium will lose their mind, specifically the supporter section and other, you know, sections who have been coming to matches, you know, from the very beginning. If either Daigo or if Anderson at this point score, they people might invade the pitch because they are just so excited. I at this point, I mean, two guys who have quickly become fan favorites and almost kind of cult heroes. I mean, the Birmingham City fans uh, out in Birmingham, England, you know, when they were when I was talking to a few of them and it's the conversation and the question came up of, you know, which Legion player would you want on your team? And every single one of them, without a doubt, without a beat of hesitation, it's, oh, that Anderson guy, your number six. And I was like, why? And they're like, because he's gritty. He does all the hard work. He doesn't let up ever. And he just has that attitude to him. And you don't have to explain to anybody what, quote unquote, that attitude means because everybody sees it. He's working hard. And there's no doubt that on the pitch, he is absolutely a joy to be around. I mean, whenever he would go after a ref or go after a player, whomever, his teammates were immediately backing him up. I can't think of many players that got in uh, trouble as much as Anderson did. And there, and his teammates still backed him up. I mean, there's been a lot of times I've seen other players who constantly get cards, and a lot eventually their teammates just said, "Oh, screw it! They're going to do whatever they're going to do, and we'll just let it happen." If we go down to ten men, we'll we'll address it in the locker room. Every single time Anderson got into anything, he always had a crowd behind him that was kind of rallying behind him or hyping him up, which you don't see a lot with you know, guys who get in trouble as often as he does. So, obviously, a positive locker room experience. So, I mean, I just want to see the dude score a goal, especially in front of a home crowd. I think it'll just be absolutely glorious. Yeah, man, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it, but you're right. Yeah, the, yeah, the brigade would go absolutely nuts. 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about this match and what to expect and what not to expect. And really, it's just, and I think you kind of mentioned this in, you know, your article uh, earlier today or yesterday. And it was, it just depends on who shows up. It depends on which team brings what players at what time, you know. And it's kind of like, what will Atlanta United bring? Which players will they play? Which formations will they play? Heck, which players are going to play for Legion? Are we healthy yet or not? What formation are we going to throw out there? And is Tommy Stone finally going to continue to tweak things? Which has been the big criticism of his managerial, you know, experience of being under him is when is he ever going to tweak things? Obviously, blank style is not working or blank formation is not working. When is he going to change it up? And he finally is. So, you know, the question now is what we've been saying for the last 15, 20 minutes is, you know, we don't know what's going to happen because we don't know what either coach is going to do. We don't know any of the personnel that's going to be on the pitch. We've highlighted the star players who we can expect. I mean, you have, you know, you have Aiden McFadden who's going to be out there. And we've talked about the Legion players who are most likely going to be out there. But then everything else is kind of a question mark. How is Legion going to play? Don't know. How is Atlanta and I going to play? Who knows? Depends on who they have on the team. So the the answer to this, and if you're listening to this podcast trying to figure out, you know, what's going on or who's going to win or whatever, I don't know about John, but my answer is I don't know. My gut feeling is saying Legion. But also, this is a different Atlanta United team than we've seen, or yeah, Atlanta United team than we've seen from the past. So, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add on to that, man? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, if anything, it's going to be entertaining just because we don't know what's going to, you know, what's going to transpire until you know, even, you know, even kickoff. Um, so, I mean, yeah, lots of question marks about this game. Man. I would say if I were to pick a winner out of this game, it would probably be the Legion. Uh, my guess is that Atlanta will probably not come with an MS heavy squad uh, this weekend. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem likely uh, for, for a number of reasons. That means that uh, you know, the advantage falls to the Legion in that respect because they have a more solid uh, roster that's been playing together constantly. Yeah. We've got a couple of yeah, key injuries, but uh, we've had guys who've been able to step in and they've been in those positions for two, three weeks now. Uh, so uh, they're fully integrated. Uh, I, I think we have a roster that, that, that is showing its depth and strength and is slowly working its way into the season where they're going to actually start producing uh, more, more, more scoring opportunities than they have so far this year. They're going to start uh, playing a much more fluid, uh, cohesive game. Uh, I think we saw uh, some real indications of that Wednesday night. I still think it's going to be a draw. Uh, Atlanta United, as I said earlier, you know, they are not the pushover that uh, we were hoping for uh, yeah. you know even on their own roster they've got some good guys will probably play uh, one we didn't mention earlier tyler wolf he's technically uh, an mls player he's played four games for uh, two team this year uh, he's josh wolf's son so he's got pedigree behind him and uh, he's scored at least two of their goals i think so far uh, and, and he's he's going to be a threat too so you know they, they, they've got some guys uh, you know on on, on their squad who uh, could cause us some problems but the good news is, is that that's a relatively short list and we know who they are. Yeah. Thank now, you. If they come with the more MLS guys than I'm expecting, then we've got some problems. To deal with. For sure. Sorry? 
No, you're good. Um, well, John, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming on and, you know, weathering the storm. If, you know, hopefully um, I edit a lot of this stuff out. This is, hey, a little behind the scenes stuff. But um, basically it's storming like crazy where John is right now. And the internet has not been kind. So I appreciate him sticking it out and sticking it through because, I mean, you know, he's an absolute trooper, an absolute just great guy. And you should really read his stuff on the Football Forge. I mean, it's very smart, very intellectual, and it's not just a bunch of hot takes, which I really appreciate. There's a lot of maybe not Legion content exactly, but there is a lot of USL guys who kind of create articles for clicks which I try to not promote their stuff, especially on my podcast. And the Football Forge is the exact opposite. It's very well thought out, very well articulated. And, hey, it's free. So read it for free. Why not? It's wonderful content. John's a wonderful guy. Go follow him on Twitter. Go follow the Football Forge. Turn on their notifications. They, they really deserve it. Thank you for coming on, John. Oh, glad to be here, Kayla. Thanks a lot for inviting me. So that was that uh, pre-match preview with Mr. John Fuller. Like I said, go check out the Football Forge. It was absolutely a fantastic read, and John's an absolutely fantastic listen, and I'm definitely going to be inviting him back on soon. Just a great guy. Um, Yeah, that's really all I got for you. I mean, really, I don't know what to tell you about this match that, you know, we didn't already talk about. It's a confusing one because we don't know what either team we're going to bring to the table, which is kind of strange, even though we are this early into the season. This one feels like a must-win for the Legion, but, you know, we always know how those things tend to go. So, I'm not going to waste too much of your time. Thank you for so much for listening to this. Thank you guys so much, and until next time, guys, keep hammering on.